Hey sister, welcome back to the Daily Momcha podcast. I am your host, Jesse True Love. You can find me on social media at Move with True Love. I am so stoked for this conversation today. You guys know I'm on a mission to help mamas feel like their best self and mother the way that feels truest to them. By bringing you these meaningful conversations, I hope that you get tools and resources to help you do just that. Today I'm sitting down with Rachel from Radiate with Rachel on Instagram. Rachel is a registered dietitian and certified functional medicine practitioner through the Institute of Functional Medicine. She is passionate about women's health and helping women feel their best. She has been practicing functional medicine and nutrition for five years, and her passion for the field really grew through her own health journey when she couldn't find relief through the conventional approach. She works with women most commonly on addressing autoimmune conditions, hormonal imbalances, and digestive issues. In this episode, we talked about apple cider vinegar shots, bloating, simple tricks to start supporting your healthy blood sugar, and so much more. There are so many takeaways from this episode that you can start doing today that can help you work with your body versus feeling like it's working against you. I love this conversation so much, we are already planning a part two. With that said, let's welcome Rachel to the show. Okay, welcome back to the Daily Mantra Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Rachel from Radiate with Rachel on Instagram. I'm so excited to have you on today. We're going to talk all things hormones, balancing blood sugar, nutrition, all of this stuff that I feel like is so confusing right now. There's like so much talk about these topics on social media, and Mm -hmm. I'm super interested in um, how it kind of goes with the female hormone cycle. So I really have, this is something that personally I've been diving into myself and my clients are very interested in. And so I'm just so excited to have you on today. I actually had watched you, uh, watched Rachel on a webinar with Organifi and totally Mm -hmm. fell in love with your talk. And I was like, I have to have you on the podcast if um, you'd be up for it. And so I'm super stoked that you're here. Could you just go ahead and start by introducing yourself, how and why you got into this line of work and really what are your, what, what are your credentials? Like what, what do you do? Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk all things women's health. Um, So I'm a registered dietitian and I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner And so I help a lot of women, I work with both men and women, mostly women, on um, getting to a lot of times the root cause of some of their pesky symptoms, whether that is hormonal issues, issues with their energy, their mood, their sleep. I see a lot of digestive stuff in my work with women as well. Um, And I would say like digestive work and hormonal work is uh, really my passion. I kind of got into the field by going through some of my own health issues, actually. Um, And so I used to struggle with terrible allergies uh, that got progressively worse while I was actually going through college. And it started with just some seasonal allergies. And I was taking maybe like one Zyrtec a day. And by the end of my fourth year, maybe, I was seeing a dermatologist for my skin issues with like a prescription steroid cream. I was taking seven or eight Zyrtec a day approved by my doctor and my allergist. I was taking Flonase every day. And I think I was on a, I was on a steroid eye drop as well for my allergies. And like, I had a different doctor almost for every different type of symptom that was going on. And so Mm -hmm. at the time I was studying, I was going through school, studying nutrition. I'm like, I should be able to know how to support myself through this. And I was like gaining weight and just like energy wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I was on birth control at the time and was a college kid, like not living my healthiest life or as good Mm -hmm. as I could be. Um, And so it wasn't until I um, moved back home to the Bay area, I started working at a functional medicine clinic and I learned about how we can kind of support our bodies from within. So cleaned up my gut health, balanced my blood sugar, uh, identified some issues I had with food sensitivities, and I was able to come off of all medications. Um, Incredible. Yeah. I I have some allergies now, don't get me wrong, but like very minimal, like I'm able to treat with like some supplements and herbs and nutraceuticals Mm -hmm. and things like that. And um, I currently work for Erin Holt, the functional nutritionist, and I see women um, in her practice through the one-to-one membership there. So I help a lot of women with similar issues as well. So a little, maybe a little bit more than you were asking for. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Um, and yeah. so just to be clear, I've had another dietitian on 
the podcast and I, a dietitian, like anybody can be a nutritionist, right? Like a, like a nutri, like, you know, like a nutritionist, but a dietitian is a, is a lot of extra schooling. Is that correct? Yes. So basically anyone who's taken a nutrition course can call themselves a nutritionist to be a dietitian. You need a bachelor's in a nutrition related field. I believe as of this year or next year, they're making it a master's level entry career. And then Mm. um, you also need to complete a dietetic internship, which is basically like supervised practice, either in a hospital or kind of a clinic setting as well. And Okay. That's amazing. And then through your work, cause I've done um, like food sensitivity tests also. And like, again, like kind of like how you were talking about, you, you know, you had your own like gut or like issues and food sensitivities. And like, that's kind of where I'm at. I took a food sensitivity test. Now, when you mm-hmm. have a food sensitivity and you kind of like pull it out of your diet for a while, can you ever eat that sensitive food again? Or how do you know when you can have that, um, have that's that food great- again? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, it totally depends. A lot of my yeah, answers of are course. Be, totally depends, but um, it's very common for people to have like five, six, eight or 10 foods that they can't tolerate, but it's not normal. The, the big goal is to kind of take mm. a step back and think about why is my body, why is my immune system so reactive to these foods and things that should be normal and safe for me to consume in the first place? That's interesting. Right? That's so interesting. So, um, Basically, if you're not properly digesting your foods, like maybe you have poor digestive enzymes or low stomach acid production, you're likely to have more food sensitivities. If you have a lot of stress, if you're taking a lot of antibiotics, even birth control, Mm -hmm. or taking a lot of those anti-inflammatory medications like uh, Tylenol, for instance, that can kind of disrupt your gut lining, that can make you more susceptible to food sensitivities as well. And so when we think about like what's the root cause of these food sensitivities yeah. that can kind of almost open Pandora's box a little bit like there can be many root causes um and rarely is it right one thing, right mm-hmm. um yeah but identifying those foods can get some get you some relief absolutely that's interesting and i know i'm like asking all the questions that <laughs> i i kind of like steering away but i also am wondering how would you know if you have low stomach acid, because that's like one of, you know, Dr. Google, that's like one of the things yeah. that I thought that I could have like been dealing with. Mm-hmm. How would, how would somebody know that they have low stomach acid and they're not properly digesting their food? Um, so as weird as this may sound, a lot of people who have low stomach acid sometimes feel like they have too much. Like sometimes when people have acid reflux or a GERD, they think, oh, I have too much acid. In reality, that could be a sign you have low stomach acid. Mm. Um, not everyone with low stomach acid, though, struggles with acid reflux. I should clarify. So if you eat a meal and you feel really bloated or you feel like your abdomen's distended or almost like food is just sitting in your stomach like a brick, especially with, with heavier meals, it's like mm-hmm. that could be some telltale signs that you maybe have low stomach acid. Okay. Um, there can be a couple of different rate ways that I work with patients to like rule out stomach acid in practice. I have patients complete what's called the baking soda test. It's like not the gold standard by any means, but you mix baking soda and water together. You drink it on an empty stomach and you see how long it takes for you to produce a burp. If they don't come back with producing a burp within five minutes or less, we're suspicious about um, okay. low stomach acid then we might go on to like test how does your body respond when we supplement with HCL, hydrochloric acid, stomach acid. And if people notice an improvement with the HCL capsules, Mm -hmm. then that can be a sign that they have low stomach acid. But then you always want to take a step back and think, why is stomach acid low? Yeah. It's like, why is this occurring? So yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I've got a lot of questions about different things that we may be consuming that could be affecting our hormones or mm-hmm. our gut health. So I kind of want to kick it off with your thoughts on how caffeine is affecting our hormones as females in general on an mm-hmm. empty stomach and maybe even multiple times a day. Yeah. Guilty as church. <laughs> <laughs> um. I always want to take a step back and think about, okay, how is your caffeine intake serving you? Are we relying on caffeine and consuming caffeine to get through our days with this like false sense of energy? Um, 
are we using this caffeine to like get through this busy day and because we can't keep up with this, our schedule and our demands and we use it almost as like a crutch or a support system. Um, it's not uncommon for people to start their day by drinking coffee before water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always think about, and again, my answer is always, it depends because coffee really d- affects different people differently. Some people are really fast metabolizers of coffee and they feel totally fine when they drink it. Other people are really slow metabolizers of coffee. And then that's where um, coffee can stimulate a stress response, right? So if you ever feel anxious, shakiness, uh, sweating, heart palpitations, if you have trouble sleeping, that could be a sign that coffee or caffeine may be stimulating your stress response. Um, I get those things if I don't drink coffee. Okay. Just okay. <laughs> <laughs> it like doesn't affect me, but I do get a headache if I don't drink sure. it. Like if I drink it too late, like I don't get jittery. I don't have, I don't get anxious when I drink coffee, but I, mm. I do like, I do have a headache if I don't drink it in the morning. Sure. Sure. Or like later. Yes. So I'm, I'm addicted. <laughs> I, I love caffeine too. Don't get me wrong. Um, I always like to evaluate what's going on in your life at any given time, right? So some signs that you might want to pull back on coffee or caffeine could be if you're going through a period where maybe you're having sleep issues, if you're relying on that coffee throughout the day or having it too late at night, um, pulling back on mm-hmm. that caffeine can be helpful. Um, if you feel like your reliance on caffeine is increasing, like now I'm going from having two a day to three a day to four a day, then it's like, okay, let's, let's reset a little bit. Let's pull back yeah. a little bit. Um, caffeine is an irritant to the gut. So maybe not Mm. eliminating coffee completely, but reducing it. If someone's having digestive issues, sometimes we have to reduce their caffeine or swap from something like coffee to a matcha or a green tea, Mm -hmm. just during like a healing, very supportive phase as well. Um, got it. And what's the difference between having it on an empty stomach? And like, is there a more optimal time to consume Mm -hmm. coffee? Is it not yes. right when your eyes crack open? <laughs> um, Unfortunately, I, I love to encourage people to get something in your body from a hydration standpoint before you consume that caffeine, whether it's electrolytes or water or like a grains powder, just something because we are basically dehydrated. We're sleeping throughout the night for hopefully seven, eight hours. You just to replenish the water that was lost overnight. Can we start with like a, a glass or two? Um, when it comes to timing with caffeine, caffeine or coffee specifically can create this like transient rise in cortisol, this like slight rise in cortisol for some people. And so if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with stress or just energy in general, across the board, I'm a fan of wait to have your coffee until you've eaten with your food or after your food, if possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've gotten in this like bad habit of well, maybe it's not, I don't know. I mean, I, in my coffee, I do a scoop of harmony. I do a scoop of collagen. So is that, is that with a meal because there's protein in there or is it still not considered enough to stabilize that caffeine? Does that make sense? Do I need to like, because I, 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 I just, I go to sleep dreaming about it, unfortunately. (laughs) And I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have it stack all these things in my coffee. I put MCT oil in there. So it's like this, smooth it's like a coffee smoothie basically yeah. you know like a shake yeah. so I don't know is that like a better way to do that yes definitely it is okay good. yes and to clarify I wouldn't consider like the collagen and the MCT technically a meal right mm-hmm. but I would say like right. you're, you're adding to that coffee you've made it like very nutrient dense very a lot more supportive mm-hmm. for your blood sugar for your adrenals it's not just like the straight caffeine the, all of those ingredients mm-hmm. in it or those um not additives, those ingredients are making it really like stable and supportive for your system as well. So no problem with that by any means. And honestly, like you can always kind of do an audit for yourself. If you're drinking this caffeine or this coffee mixture and you're like, Ooh, I'm feeling really anxious. Then maybe you have that with food. If you do totally fine Mm -hmm. with it and you're not getting like palpitations, uh, sweating, anxious, anything like that, then you're probably good to go. Okay. So I think that's like a big one is that like, we see so much on social media right now. And it's Mm kind of just all these blanket statements of like, yeah, you know, coffee in the morning straight away is going to affect everybody the same way. And Mm -hmm. it's a big no. And I feel like that's just, it's kind of like diet culture, like all these like no's like taking away versus what can I add? What can I add into this situation to make it better? Or, you know, and 
I did. I, I listened to that webinar and I was like, okay, so I probably don't want to be drinking this coffee just because that was a habit I was in. Me and my husband Mm -hmm. would wake up, we would have coffee together. And it was like, and then we would make breakfast for the kids and for us. And like, you know, and so I was like, what can I do to make my coffee a little bit more supportive to my body? Mm -hmm. And so I added in all these adaptogens, you know, I've been drinking Harmony for years at this point. And then they came out with collagen. And so I'm putting the collagen in there. I'm like, okay, well, this definitely feels like more, like you said, nutrient dense. And I feel better about, okay, if I eat 20 minutes from now and I'm, I'm having this first, it doesn't just feel like a spike of cortisol to the face in the morning, you know? So absolutely, that's that, that makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a great start to the day. Um, okay. So anyone who's struggling with gas or bloating, which I feel like is nine out of 10 people, (laughs) um, are there ways we can support our guts with digestion supporting foods and if if yes what would you suggest we start adding in what are those foods yeah um kind of like what you said I like to focus on what can we add what can we do more of rather than just assuming we need to like take away or go on some type of elimination diet Mm -hmm. and first and foremost I always like to think about how are you eating not just what are you eating but like what is the setting what is the environment I realize moms especially may not always have the capacity to do this right if you're taking care of little ones as well and distracted at meals but are you sitting down? Are you chewing your foods? Well, like we should be chewing our foods until it reaches an applesauce consistently. Like if you're feeling the need to swallow water or kind of like wash food down after you're eating, that's definitely a sign you're not chewing well. Um, or if you happen to see undigested food in your stool, definitely. I want you chewing more. Um, Something to keep in mind is if you eat something like a piece of salmon versus let's say a steak, if you squish a salmon with a piece with your fork, it's going to flake apart. It's going to break apart so easily. Whereas a steak, if you squish it with a fork, it's just going to kind of bounce right back. Right. So you're going to have to put way more effort into chewing something that's tougher, like a steak or like a raw salad, than you might have to do something like a salmon or sauteed veggies. And so I generally say, chew your food until it reaches an applesauce consistency. Um, Mm -hmm. I love recommending that women patients in general, take a few deep breaths before you start your meal. I love that four, seven, eight breath work before you eat. I recommend this all the time. The inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight, two to three rounds of that can just kind of help center yourself, help you be like a little bit more mindful while you're eating and, and shift you into that relaxed state, even if it's just for a few minutes at your mealtime. No, Um, it's like such a life force, you know, and that's so crazy that you said that because like my clients in the mom core method, Mm -hmm. that is, we're doing breath work every single session. I think moms, you know, at the top of that population list need to downregulate their nervous system and kind of shift into that parasympathetic state. And we can't digest our food if our body feels like we're running from a tiger, you know, and if you're taking care of little ones, you're basically running from tigers all day long. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, this caffeine on an empty stomach and swallowing our food yeah. whole is really playing against us from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And just by kind of shifting these things, these little tips and tricks, like chewing your food, like taking yeah. some deep breaths can like help us with bloating, which I feel like is the yeah. like one of the, I'm sure you get so many questions about bloating mm-hmm. and that's like yeah. one of the top symptoms because- I mean, I feel like everybody, plus a lot of the food that we are served in our life is crap, you know, like Mm -hmm. fast food, everything that's convenient. Mm -hmm. There's so much packaging and processing and even foods that are, you know, supposedly health foods in quotation Mm -hmm. marks, you know, have all these additives and gums and this and that to diet, to, you know, disrupt things that should be functioning a different way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So so yes. the chewing, the breathing, chewing, um, breathing, making sure you're sitting down, eating without distractions when possible, or just like making sure you're not eating a banana or a bar in the car on the way to work out the door or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I'm just being a little bit more intentional with meals. I'm always recommending bitter foods or very commonly recommending bitter foods as well. So the process of actively tasting something that has a bitter taste to it is going to actually stimulate both stomach acid production and bile production. So we're always thinking about thinking about how can we support our digestions from top to tail. So your stomach's physically located above your small intestine and then your large intestine. And so 
bitter foods will stimulate the release of stomach acid. And then when we have healthy levels of stomach acid, this helps to trigger the release of bile in our small intestine. That's how we digest our fats. And so some people take digestive bitters, like a tincture or like a little pump. I have no problem with that, but a lot of people don't love the taste of bitter foods. Like yeah. arugula, grapefruit, dandelion root, dand- dandelion greens, um, endives, like really, really dark chocolate, like 90 plus percent dark chocolate. Sometimes, you know, yeah. people scrunch their face up when I recommend these foods, but they're so good for your digestive tract as well. A lot of people are not eating enough of this by any means. Yeah, everybody's eating the opposite, like mm-hmm. highly, highly sweet. Yeah. Um, I do have digestive bitters by like, and it's like this little, it's like a little eyedropper basically. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. like put it in a little, are you supposed to put it straight into your mouth? Because it is unpleasant. <laughs> I just put it, it is unpleasant. It's I do I love really bitter dark chocolate and grapefruit and arugula. Uh, but the bitters, the tincture is, it's, it's it is strong. So I put it in a little like shot glass and I just yeah. take it back. Is that how I should be doing it? Should I be doing it like that? I'd say the goal is to taste it though. So if you're taking it like a shot and shooting it back, so you're not really tasting it, you're probably going to get some benefits from it. Don't get me wrong, but you're losing some of those benefits. So like, even if you let it kind of sit in your mouth, like let the shot glass of the water with the bitters kind of sit in your mouth, um, that will do more benefits for you. So it's okay to add it to water. I will personally put it on my tongue if I am taking digestive bitters. Um, Yeah. You kind of scrunch up your face. On your tongue. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'll try. I'll try it. Yeah. I'll try it. I'll put it on yeah, my yeah. tongue and try. Why not? Uh, um, that's, that's great. And then I was going to say something that's not as much food related, but something that I recommend a ton in practice for women with hormonal issues, digestive issues. I love castor oil packs. I don't know if you've used them before, if you're familiar with them very much. I'm um, familiar, but I have not used them yet. Um, I feel like I'm not in a season where I can, me and my whole family are sharing a full bed. We're in a tiny house right now. And it's like, I'd get castor oil all over everybody. (laughs) Um, Honestly, some days I wear it while I work. Like I don't sleep while sleep with it just because I don't like the feeling of being constructed because you can only see my shoulders and above on zoom. Sometimes I just have like a shirt I don't care too much about. And I wear it while I work or like around the house, making food, whatever it is. Um, but castor oil packs, when we apply castor oil to our skin, it's going to increase blood flow and lymphatic flow to whatever's kind of beneath it. So your liver is located beneath your right rib cage. Your liver is the site of, you know, it, it helps us produce bile. It also is how, where we naturally detoxify things. So we're just like increasing blood flow, lymphatic flow to that area. A lot of women can see improvements with bloating, with hormonal issues as well. It can be a great addition to a routine. Do you have a castor ca- castor oil pack like brand that you like? Yes. Do you have one that um, you we, that you recommend? I have the Queen of the Thrones brand. I oh, I know her. Pack. Yeah. yeah, I recommend the litter pack from them. I love it. It's very, um, it's a lot less messy than kind of the DIY versions. Um, a lot of my patients love it because you can live your life. You don't have to lay down on the couch while mm-hmm. you're wearing it or, or wear it to bed if you don't want to. A lot of women don't love wearing it to bed and some people do. I get asked a lot about my morning routine, and to be honest, in this season, a lot of it looks different every day besides what's in my morning cup of coffee. This is the adaptogenic mocha I crave daily, and I have noticed such a difference since adding this to my daily morning routine. Harmony by Organifi has a rich chocolate flavor from a rare cacao called Criollo packed with polyphenols and the bliss molecule to support the feeling of balance as well as maca to support energy levels and alertness. This antioxidant has been known to balance hormone levels and improve reproductive health. Chas Cherry Brie and Shatsavari to improve vitality, hormone balance, and has even been known to improve libido and decrease PMS symptoms. I've been pregnant or breastfeeding for the last five and a half years, and after the last two years of not having a period because I was breastfeeding my toddler, I was shocked when my cycle returned because I had zero PMS symptoms like cramps and I believe that I owe that to Harmony. This drink has really helped me feel more like me again. And as a mama, I really appreciate that result alone simply by adding this yummy blend to my morning cup of coffee. Being in the women's health field, it feels very aligned to share my favorite adaptogenic blend made for women by women. You can use my code TRUELOVE to snag a bag of Harmony at 20% off so you can start feeling more like you again too. 
That's code TRUELOVE, T-R-U-E-L-O-V-E, to save 20% at checkout for anything at the Organifi website. You can even stack my code TRUELOVE on top of the bundle where you can save an additional 10%. Choosing a bundle, you can pick any of your three favorite items. I love the collagen, the reds, the greens, glow, as well as my favorite, Harmony. With that said, let's get back to the show. What are your top three or like top, you know, your top favorite blood sugar balancing meal ideas? So if somebody's looking to get a well-rounded meal, and I guess maybe you yeah. can start with what do we need to have? Like, what are we looking for in a meal that balances our blood sugar yeah. that we're not looking for that big spike? Maybe just like yeah. a little bit of background on that. And then like some ideas for how we can start doing that. Um, so like a little bit of background on blood sugar. The reason why blood sugar balance is so important is, um, blood sugar imbalance is really one of the most commonly overlooked sources of stressors in our body. If our blood sugar is up and down and up and down throughout the day, this is going to be a stress on our adrenals and our adrenals produce cortisol. They regulate our circadian rhythm, but they also regulate our stress response. Mm -hmm. And so producing and um, keeping blood sugar controlled is one of cortisol's main job. And if your blood sugar is up and down and up and down throughout the day, it becomes an issue. We want to avoid this like blood sugar roller coaster where you're having these spikes and these dips in energy. And we, it's normal. I should clarify. It's normal to see an increase in blood sugar after you eat, but we want to avoid these like peaks and valleys. And, and what so, would cause us to have those peaks? Like what is causing that? Um, so I would say what I see most commonly in practice is women unintentionally under eating or maybe skipping meals, um, eating too many refined or processed carbohydrates, skimping on protein and fat. A lot of times unintentionally can be a big source of that. Um, mm -hmm. waiting too long to eat breakfast in the morning. Um, those would probably be like the biggies that I see in practice. And then, so when we think about how to support your blood sugar, how to support it from like a meal perspective, even. Um, mm -hmm. I would say when I encourage people to build a plate or build a meal, I want roughly half of your meal, 50% of your meal to be like a non-starchy veggie. So think about like greens, peppers, carrots, um, like zucchini squash right now are great examples. 25% um, of your meal should be protein. So meat, fish, poultry, eggs, legumes if you're plant-based and then about a quarter of your meal should be carbohydrates or like a starch so this could be fruit this could be uh squashes like your sweet potatoes or winter squash or pumpkin uh, grains like your rice or your beans also are considered a carbohydrate and gluten-free grains in general would be carbohydrates as well so i'm thinking like that general Kind of a picture and not all of your meals are going to be perfectly portioned out where it's half your plate is, is broccoli yeah. and quarter is a chicken breast. Um, but I like to think about that. What I, what I talk with patients a lot about is what could you add to this meal or what could you add to the snack to make it better for you? Is it more protein? Is it more fat to keep your blood sugar balanced? Um, I always want to make sure that there is fat at a meal. We're usually getting this with like our cooking oil um, or like adding avocado or olives or nuts or seeds to a meal as well. It's a great way to think about it. Amazing. Um, yeah. And so breakfast is really where I see women not realizing that they're not eating enough protein or unintentionally skimping on that protein. So like mm -hmm. my breakfast today, I had three eggs um, with some avocado. I had some kiwi and berries, and then I wanted more protein than just the protein from the three eggs. So I added some collagen to my matcha. Some of my patients will do, um, I don't do super well with dairy, but if you tolerate dairy, even like a cottage cheese or like a Greek yogurt can be a great protein addition to that meal too. Something to mm -hmm. think about. Yeah. Um, so like for instance, I feel like a lot of wellness breakfasts are like surrounded around these like overnight oats. Mm -hmm. So how can we make something like that that I feel like is very carb heavy? Yeah. How do we make that more well-balanced with it yeah. still being an overnight oats? Like what would we add to that to get more protein and fat in your opinion? Like what's a good? 
um you could add chia seeds and flax seeds to it for a little bit oh, more yeah. healthy fats or you mm-hmm. could add like a nut butter for more of those healthy fats um sometimes what I have patients do is add protein powder to that while you're mixing it so that you're incorporating a lot more protein into that meal or what I have some people do is like eat a few hard-boiled eggs alongside that as well mm-hmm. um yeah you sprinkle hemp seeds over it that's a great option too for like a little protein a little bit more fat but rather than saying don't eat the carbs in the oats it's just what could you add to this to make it better for you because typically oats right we're adding more fruit and like maybe maple syrup it's like we want Mm -hmm. more of that fat we want more of that protein for sure right it's like all all carbs the whole thing Mm -hmm. is carbs (laughs) um yeah perfect and you did kind of mention that you um don't tolerate dairy well I did a food sensitivity test from equal life. And I don't tolerate dairy well at all either. Um, so what are your thoughts on dairy in general? Is it for everyone? Is it inflammatory to everyone? And if, if you're dealing with these sensitivities, is there a different method of like choosing a better dairy Mm -hmm. option? Like, what are the, what are the recommendations in your opinion for, for if you're going to do dairy, like this is what you should do. Yeah. Um, like everything in nutrition, it totally depends. I don't like to make blanket statements and say that nobody can have dairy. I would say like the big things to pay attention to, if you do okay with dairy is, is it organic? Is it grass fed? Like, can we pay attention to that quality? Mm -hmm. Um, the reason I don't do super well with dairy is I'm lactose intolerant and I actually can do okay with like the grass fed raw products. And I have no issues with that. We are interesting. Um, Cause it's something about how the, the raw dairy products, they are heat treated just at lower temperatures. So it doesn't denature the proteins the same way. This isn't, this doesn't apply to everyone, but I've seen with a lot of my patients who don't do super well with dairy, they can try the raw dairy cheeses and things and see how it goes. And a lot of times it, it's pretty good. Um, not always. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Um, I do work with a lot of people who have digestive and skin issues. And if we're suspicious about dairy, sometimes we'll say like, okay, do we need to think about limiting dairy or pulling back on dairy for two to three weeks, see if symptoms improve? If not, let's bring it back in the diet and see what we can work with. But I would say quality grass-fed organic if possible. So is, is that all it takes? Is it really only take like three weeks of something like an elimination diet, like to see if it's disrupting these systems in your body, it only takes three weeks to kind of see if they clear up or not. So basically when we have a food sensitivity, what happens is we eat a food and antibodies will be produced and antibodies are essentially the immune system cells that can produce an immune system reaction. And for some people, it might be allergies and eczema for other people. It might be digestive issues for some people like brain fog and fatigue. It's kind of across the board. And antibodies live in our bloodstream for roughly three weeks. So hypothetically, if someone's going to do an elimination diet, um, it only needs to be three weeks for them to see, okay, like for that antibody amount to be significantly reduced in the bloodstream, it does not need to be a lifelong or like a three month elimination type of a situation. Um, Right. And then the thought process is you add this food back in your diet. If it's going to create a sensitivity or a reaction, there will be like a big flood in these antibodies. So you'll see symptoms return if that is the case. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like if we're looking to heal the gut lining, like let's say we have something like leaky gut, that's kind of like one of the things yeah. I've been working through. And I feel like it's very common Mm-hmm. right now that and it's like maybe it's always been that way I don't know I this isn't my specialty but I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of talk around this leaky gut um how long does that usually take to kind of address if you're doing all the right things how long can it how long can it take to change the lining of our gut and like restore it um honestly the cells in our gut not every single cell every single day but like they are turning over and repairing like pretty rapidly. This is happening mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And so a lot of times when we're doing the right things, you can see some significant improvements within three to four weeks for some of my more inflamed patients, maybe people who have been dealing with symptoms for a little bit longer. Um, 
we do see it take a couple of months, sometimes three to four. A lot of times that's when you're working to address stressors and identify food sensitivities mm-hmm. and maybe cleaning up your microbiome a little bit and like moving your body, doing all of the things, right? Okay, that's great. Um, I uh, Back on like the dairy kind of, the dairy train. Yeah. What are your thoughts on non-dairy milks? I feel like this is very controversial. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, my thought process is like the fewer the ingredients, the better when it comes to the non-dairy milks. I'm a big fan of the brands Elmhurst, I want to tell you, and Malk, where the mm-hmm. ingredients are maybe the nuts, the water, and maybe some salt, where there's not a ton of mm-hmm. those like stabilizers and other those other like right. inflammatory oils. Um, mm-hmm. Those can be totally fine. Um Otherwise, some of the brands, not to name names, but some of the brands, it's like you look at the ingredient list and it's like, why are there all these oils added? Why are there all these sugars added? Like, um, we can keep it simple for sure. Yeah. Okay. Is there a preferred non-dairy milk that you would suggest? Um, honestly, per- personal preference in terms of creaminess. I love cashew milk. I'll, I'll sometimes make cashew milk, honestly, where you just blend it cashews in water and you, a lot of times don't even have to strain it. Or sometimes I do that with uh, hemp seed. I'll make hemp seed milk. Um, I wouldn't say that there's a preferred one as opposed to like coconut versus almond or like any of those other nut milks. Oat mm-hmm. milk itself can be a little bit higher in carbohydrates and sugars than what people realize. And so I'm not here to demonize oat milk by any means, but, um, you're breaking my heart right I now. Know. It's breaking no. right open. <laughs> um, so it's just important to be mindful. If you're having something that has oat milk in it, we want to make sure we're eating it around something that has protein or fat in it, or you're adding like your, um, collagen or your MCT oil. If you're using that in your coffee to stabilize it. Right. I'm not saying no mm-hmm. to the oat milk. It's just if you eat oat milk or drink oat milk, what are you consuming around it to stabilize your blood sugar more than anything? Okay. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I'm not totally just like throwing my blood sugar out of yeah. whack too. No, no, no. First my cortisol and now my blood sugar. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay. And speaking of blood sugar, we're just, we're kind of like going on this, on this, uh, what is it? The mouse wheel, whatever the rat wheel yeah, uh, on all these topics. Um, how does balancing our blood sugar help to decrease our cravings and increase energy. Okay. Um, so kind of thinking back to that roller coaster analogy, right? We want stable blood sugar throughout the day. When our blood sugar spikes really, really high, if we get this like big spike in blood sugar, this is going to trigger your body to release insulin. Insulin is the hormone that brings our blood sugar back down. And because blood sugar is really, really high, we're going to release a lot of insulin and this can lead to a blood sugar crash. When you get to that like dip, that really low blood sugar, you can have um, more cravings. You're going to have cravings more so for those like quick carbs, those fast digesting carbs to bring your blood sugar right back up. Um, We can see fatigue with that. We can see irritability. And um, so also thinking about strategies, like how can we offset this, right? Like eating enough protein and fat, walking after meals can help to support this. Um, that would be like some of my biggie recommendations for sure. Okay. And I guess going, um, along with, you know, everything that we've been talking about the, the, the wellness and diet culture has a long list of things to cut out of your life. And I think, you know, and you already mentioned this, it can be a lot more empowering to know what to add into your life. So what are the three things you would suggest adding into someone's wellness or nutrition routine to support their hormones and their guts? Awesome. Um, I will say that hormonal health and gut health is so, so connected, right? Our liver processes our hormones and then sends them to our digestive tract. So we actually poop our hormones out. So our gut health, like we want to make sure you're having a daily thing. I had no idea. Yeah. 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 Poop your hormones out. So if this resonates with you, hormones are messengers, hormones are signalers. So if you have any type of hormonal irregularity or imbalance, it's not your root cause, it's causing your symptoms, but we have to think about why are your hormones imbalanced in the first place. And a lot of times we want to look at stress and we also want to look at what's going on 
in our gut. And first and foremost, are you having a daily bowel movement? How is digestion? And so, I mean, through our diet, through our sleep and our movement, we have so much influence over our hormones. Um, in terms of things to think about, what can we do or add to support this? I think about, so the bitter foods, which we spoke about, and I also think about eating more polyphenol rich foods. So polyphenols are this compound found in your deep red, blue, purple, black produce items, also found in your like matcha green tea, really dark chocolate. And polyphenols feed your beneficial bacteria in your gut, in your microbiome. And when we feed our beneficial bacteria, they produce produce these compounds. They're called short-chain fatty acids. And these short-chain fatty acids, they help to heal and seal the gut lining. So they feed those cells that line your gut. They can help to address a leaky gut. They make the colon really acidic. So they make it hard for bad bacteria to survive. And they also just kind of like decrease inflammation in the colon as a whole. And so we're thinking about your plums, your purple grapes, your cherries, your berries, uh, red onion, purple cabbage, uh, like I said, dark chocolate, matcha green tea, and even things like red rice or like red quinoa can be very supportive of these polyphenols. A lot of times I'll send a list of these foods to my patients. They're like, oh yeah, I eat berries every day. It's not about eating more of the same food. It's about eating a diverse variety. Oh, sorry. A diverse variety in um, these different types of foods that can be so, so amazing for your microbiome as well. Um, What do you think about for somebody that's looking for more diverse in those things, like more reds and like an easy way to do that? Um, So I do take the Organifi Red, the Reds drink, and that has like a lot of Mm -hmm. a whole list of different things. So would that be an easy way to start supporting your gut with the reds? Definitely. 100%. Cool. Um, Yeah. The red juice is great because I think there's like pomegranate in that as well. There's some cranberry extract. All of those things are amazing. Yes. Beets. Yeah. Example. Um, So I love that in terms of polyphenols, bitter foods, like we spoke about, it's not the trendiest Mm -hmm. thing to talk about, but it's a work in progress. Definitely. Um, from like a non-food perspective as well, I'm always thinking about Mm -hmm. daily sunshine exposure, right? So our internal clock, our circadian rhythm, just like regulates our stress response. Our immune system is just so impactful on our overall health. And one of the best things you can do is get yourself outside, send those signals to your body. Hey, it's daytime, time to wake up. And then midday, like, Hey, it's still daytime. Don't fall asleep on me. The more time you spend outside, the more robust your melatonin production will be at night, the better your sleep will be. And just like being out in nature is just so calming. It's so relaxing. It's just so good for you as well. Um, yes. So I love to recommend that. And that's of course, you go ahead. No, go ahead. I I have one more question that I thought of, but I'll I'll ask it after you say (laughs) your last one. (laughs) Um, I was also going to say nervous system support. So I know you said like breath work is built into your programs. This is something that I feel like is so overlooked, right? What you eat is so important, how you move your body, your sleep is so important, but also again, shifting our body into that rest and digest. So thinking about what you can add bitter foods, polyphenol rich foods. Yes. Nervous system support is like top of that list as well. Can you do 10 minutes of like throwing your legs up on the wall, do some breath work, some meditation, like ground yourself, whatever that looks like, just to help your body unwind, decompress will be so, so good as well. I love that you said that. I think that nervous system flexibility and being able to kind of shift from being in a stressed out state, you know, which I feel like life is stressful, you know, like being able to have the tools to shift out of that is Mm -hmm. not just, it's not just like, oh, you're stressed out. Like take a deep breath. Like, (laughs) oh no, you're stressed out. Take a deep breath and improve your mental, emotional digestion, your physical body. Like literally everything will get better Yes, with that deep breath, you know, with that down regulation of your nervous system. So I love that that's like all woven into this. Um, Just lastly, I just thought of it with the the digestive bitters. Um, what are your thoughts on apple cider vinegar? Cause I was doing that for a while too, like mm-hmm. before meals. And I do think it was helping. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. placebo, but, <laughs> um, no, it, it really is. So there's, um, 
So apple cider vinegar, my disclaimer is I always want to make sure people are diluting it before meals instead of consuming. Yes, I did do that. Okay. Because it can be really harsh on your enamel, your esophagus. It can cause some issues if you're just doing straight apple cider vinegar. You can make it in like a vinaigrette, of course, but um, taking it like a shooter or a shot is great. That in itself, that acidity can really help with low stomach acid, can help with bile flow. It, I count it as a bitter as well. Even if you're not tasting it a ton, it's just okay, very good. stimulating to the digestive tract yeah. as well. Absolutely. Okay, amazing. Uh, I Yeah, because I do do that. I talk about it too and always like not medical advice. This is just like what I'm doing and it's, you yeah. know, I think it's helping. And I know there's like some research on it and, um, you know, all of this more like holistic and functional stuff. It always comes out years later that there was all this like benefit, you know, know. in the research, it's always like, there's no money in apple cider vinegar being helpful, you know? So there's like, they're not going to like put that in the news, you know? So unfortunately, Um, and I should mention, so tying this also back to blood sugar, right? So there's a compound in apple cider vinegar. It's called acetic acid. When you consume apple cider vinegar before a meal, it can actually help you blunt the glucose response. And so, of course, not a replacement for pairing your carbs with protein and fats. Of course, we want you moving your body, walking after meals when possible, but um, doing apple cider vinegar and water before your meals, it doesn't have to be every single meal, can just help with more stable blood sugar throughout the day as well, when possible. Um, Doesn't need to be an all the day thing, all the time thing, but yeah. That's, that's awesome. And uh, I think, yeah, it's just these little tweaks, these little things that that's like, you're not taking away anything. We're mm-hmm. adding in a shot about apple cider vinegar, you know, and yeah. it has all these benefits and just, I just love all these little tips and tricks that you have. Yeah. Um, seeing that you see people in one, in a one-on-one basis and that you work with a lot of women, what is something that you wish more people knew about in your field? I think I wish that women were more kind of in general educated about our menstrual cycles. Um, We're aware of how we can support our bodies during our various phases. Um, Knowing that hormonal birth control is not our only option to prevent pregnancy. And if you choose to go on hormonal birth control, like thinking about how can we support your body while you're on it. Right. And so when we think about hormonal health in general and how to support our bodies again, We want to support your microbiome. We want to make sure that you're having a daily bowel movement. So eating those bitters, those polyphenol rich foods, eating enough fiber and like drinking enough water are very foundational, whether you're on the pill or not, but for hormonal health in general and like good gut health, that's like first very foundational thing I think about. Um, Liver support, right? Like your liver is detoxifying your hormones, chemicals, plastics, all of the things that we're coming in contact with all the time. So beets and ginger and um, artichokes are like great for liver support. Dandelion root tea is so amazing to support your liver. Castor oil packs as well. Um, yeah. Things like that. I, I, um, You had shared that you're getting like more in tune with your cycle and kind of paying more attention to that. Have you like built some cycle thinking into your routine or? I am so interested in this and Honestly, like I've just, it's like kind of exploded the topic of cycle syncing and the foods, like what to eat during your cycles. And I'm, we could do a whole nother, if you have information on the four phases and like what to eat during the four phases to your support, like we could do a whole nother podcast episode just on that alone. Because I think, I mean, growing up, I feel like the only thing we knew about our female hormone cycle was our period and it's been demonized our entire life. You yeah. know, it's like ant flow. It's it's shark week. It's this, it's that. Yes. And it's like so negative and it's like your period is actually a a vital sign. Like it mm-hmm. can tell you so much and um I have been breastfeeding my 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 second child and she is 2 two years and four months. And we're, we're in the end phase. Mm -hmm. Like I just let my kids wean themselves. My first weaned at two, like to the dot. And this, uh, my second is kind of taking a little bit longer, but it's mostly just for, um, you know, connection, not really, I'm not a food source really anymore. And since she's kind of cut herself back, I got my first period and, Mm -hmm. um, I've, and I, I didn't know, like, can you even how can you know what phase of your cycle that you're in without a period? It, do you still have all four phases, even if you don't have a period? Um, so 
the thought process is that typically the thought process is typically in order to get your period, that means your body had to ovulate about two weeks beforehand. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have four phases of the cycle. I know, you know, this the menstrual cycle, which is your active bleeding, your follicular phase, which is the body kind of preparing for ovulation, you ovulate. And then roughly two weeks later, about 12 to 14 days later, you will get your period. And um, some women who may not be getting their menstrual cycles may not be getting a monthly period. You can kind of time your quote unquote cycle to the phases of the moon as well, mm-hmm. where um, ovulation is typically because the moon cycle is also four weeks, give or take. Mm-hmm. And so ovulation can typically happen around the full moon. And then mm-hmm. menstrual cycle occurs around the time of a new moon or like a a, a small moon, a waxing moon, I think is what it's called. Okay. Um, okay. Not, not all women align with this perfectly, but it's a way that if you're paying attention to the cycles of the moon and you're not actually getting a menstrual cycle, that's how you can kind of align and, and like a way to track it basically. But, and that's how like your hormone, your hormones do have a shift even without a menstrual cycle though, but it's just a smaller shift. Um, I would say that the likelihood of seeing these hormonal shifts if you're not having a menstrual cycle is definitely lower, but um, mm-hmm. you probably won't notice the bigger shifts in like energy and mood and motivation and like mm-hmm. libido shifts. Um, yeah. I should, I should mention when it comes to like cycle syncing your workouts and the foods that you're eating, it can be great to live in alignment with your cycle, but the goal is always to trust your body first and your own intuition and lean into that. Like some women don't need to know what phase of their cycle they're in to know that a hit workout sounds really good at that phase for them, or maybe a hit yoga workout sounds awful for them at that point mm-hmm. in time. Um, so yeah. some, sometimes what I found is like this cycle syncing information gives women the capacity to kind of tap into their own intuition and like listen to their bodies more than anything. A hundred percent. I feel like um, just on that note, because I can go like, it was something that I was never really in tune with. Um, I didn't really know the, the phases. I, before I had my first, it was five years ago almost Mm -hmm. I knew the day I was ovulating like I and I didn't know that I knew that I didn't know that like I knew I was ovulating I knew this was a different phase I knew that I could get pregnant and obviously I knew when my period was I didn't know the other phases and um I don't know I feel like all this information has come out and it's it's a bit overwhelming yeah. Um. To kind of like, okay, what foods do I eat in what phase, yeah. and when do I do this type of workout? But I love that you said that there can be a there can be a marry of both. There can be mm-hmm. a mix of both of like, okay, well, this makes sense why I kind of want to have a, a a warm soup in bed versus yeah. like a cold salad and then go out for like you know whatever. It's like just it's and that's kind of what I I tap into in my own in my own method for mama's recovering. It's like. I want you to, I want you to restore function in your body and build this body awareness so that you know what it feels like to feel good. So when you do start having this back pain, you do start leaking. If that happens again, you know exactly what to do. Okay. I need to check in with my posture. Am I breathing? You know, like you have these tools and you're able to build that body awareness. And I feel like that, that can translate into all the areas of your life, you know, with eating and digestion, like it's not about like I don't eat a lot of bread. I'm not, it's not because I'm like restrictive eating or I have a problem with bread. It's like, I know personally that when I eat bread, Mm -hmm. I feel like shit. So do I want to feel like shit or do I want to feel light and good? You know, it's not about being restrictive. It's about knowing your body. Um, And I don't know anything about nutrition and I don't have to know anything about nutrition to know that when I eat a bunch of bread or if I eat a bagel, I feel like I have a brick in my stomach, you know, it's like, it's like just knowing yourself. And then now that you know, or even, you know, now that you know better, you do better. Now that you have more information, you can change your mind. You can, I was vegan for five years and I just intuitively like almost a year at this point, last year, a year ago, um, I, I was like, I feel like you need to start adding in 
fish. And my husband was like, yeah. are you serious? Like, this is like crazy to hear. I was pregnant through both, you know, both pregnancies, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. vegan through everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I feel like a very strong pull to start adding in fish. And yeah. I was like, I probably won't add in anything else. And then slowly we started adding in everything else. And then I took a yeah. food sensitivity test and the soy was really, really damaging to my body. And I was like, yeah. I went vegan so that I could live a long time and be healthy. And like, that's what I thought. But now I have new information. And I think, you know, we're, we're always allowed to change our mind when we get that new information. Um, And I, you know, I was a little bit worried about sharing that on social media because I didn't talk heavily about being vegan, but everybody kind of knew. And um, I never gave any advice because I, I am not, I, I'm not educated enough to do that. Um, leave, leave that to the dietitians. Um, but I think just having more information and and listening to that Mm -hmm. intuition more, it's like, just your body is trying to keep you alive and keep you happy. And it wants homeostasis and it wants all these things that, you know, just, if you, if you can tune in, it's giving you all these signals, like indicator lights on a dashboard, and you can either ignore those and the, and the transmission goes out. Or you can listen to those and you can have a really fine-tuned car that'll run for a long time without any Mm -hmm. issue. Um, Yeah. So yeah, that was my tangent. No, I I love it. If you want to add, if you want to add any thoughts. (laughs) Well, and I kind of love that too, because I think about symptoms as like, they're not your root cause. Symptoms are a sign that like something is going on in the body. And like, if we catch, if we listen to these signals and these signs early enough, we can catch things before they become a progressively larger issue. Even like, thinking about signs of imbalanced blood sugar. Like if you eat a meal and your energy goes up, that's a sign your blood sugar was probably too low before, right? Um, If you're really irritable, if you miss a snack time or like miss a meal, that's a sign like your blood sugar could probably use some TLC. Um, Dependence on caffeine or sugar for energy, like maybe blood sugar is too low, right? Feeling agitated, irritable, like anxious. Um, and that if that goes away with eating a meal, that's also a sign your blood sugar may be too low or even like thinking about allergies or even like skin issues, bloating, gas there. These are all things that are so common. They're not normal to have happen. So not saying to be hypervigilant and focus on every single sim- symptom that's happening. But if these symptoms are popping up for you consistently, I think it's worth taking a step back, asking why, like doing a deeper dive, like do I need to address my gut health? Do I need to make sure my blood sugar is more fine-tuned? And a lot of people can start with a lot of the foundations that we're talking about today as well, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about all this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I think you gave so many takeaways that people can start doing today, but then you, you know, if, if people, and I feel like a lot of this stuff is like, it depends, you know? So where can people find your services and where should they go if they, if, if it seems a little bit deeper than, you know, adding in the tips and tricks and the simple changes and they've done all that maybe, or Mm -hmm. they just want to work one-on-one, like where would they go to get that help? And what does that even, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like to work with a functional uh, dietitian? It's a little bit, uh, we have like a couple of different options. So I will say um, the functional nutritionist.com is where you can find me funk with a K F U N K functional mm-hmm. nutritionist. Um, so we, we do offer one-on-one services where um, you can do personalized testing. We do a deep dive into your health history. Sometimes I'm recommending stool testing, blood work. We're going to take a look at it from a functional medicine lens um, and really like recommend diet lifestyle supplements as necessary to kind of fine tune and help your body function as it should more than anything. Um, we actually have a group program starting in September. It's called CCP, the carb compatibility project with lots of good, like strategies, tools, tips, tricks, live calls, and even recipes for like balancing and supporting your blood sugar as well. And so we have that group program and then working together one-on-one is definitely another option as well. Okay, fun. Um, okay, so these are two questions that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Yeah. Um, currently in your season of life, what is your go-to mantra to get you through hard times? Um, my mantra has always been uh, just keep swimming <laughs> more than anything. Like 
keep your head up, keep moving forwards rather than like marinating on the past or what's not working, like just focus on moving forwards. How can we get through this more than anything with health, with life, with your career, with anything, honestly. Right. Don't give up. Just yeah. keep swimming. Exactly. <laughs> I love exactly. that. Um, where can we find you on social media? Uh, Radiate with Rachel is my Instagram and I share lots of recipes, tips, tricks, all that good stuff as well. All right. Perfect. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being on with me today. I think we should definitely have another episode where we dive into female hormones and the phases and how to support each phase and whatever else you think we all need to know (laughs) that we don't know, which I'm sure is a lot. Um, uh, so anyways, thank you so much for being on. I, and I really enjoyed chatting today. Yeah, of course, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Daily Momship Podcast. If you did, be sure to subscribe. Also, before you go, I would love you forever if you could rate and review this podcast, share with a mom friend or on social media, and be sure to tag me at Move with True Love and at Daily Momship Pod on Instagram. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you soon.